Welcome to the Flint Citadel's podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. I hear some coughing, I hear some, uh, some murmuring of conversation, but uh, this morning, as we worship together, we have to kind of always remember that as the weather gets colder, the sun can still be warm in your heart. And uh, sun, of course, being spelled S-O-N. And as we worship together this morning, uh, it doesn't take a big reminder, but uh, we can be reminded by the simple words, Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name. That is already a little warmer, isn't it? Hmm. Ah. But as we sing this morning together, uh, we prepare our hearts to worship together this morning with with the words, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So as the band gives us just a little bit of an introduction, we'll crank it up. Let's stand and sing together. call to worship this morning comes from the book of Psalm, if you're um, so inclined as to open up your sword, and uh, the book of Psalm, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Those are some familiar words as you have just sung them, starting at that first uh, verse. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries, to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning with humble hearts. We pray to you, Lord, that uh, your will be done in all things that are said and all things that are done here in this morning's meeting. Uh, It is your will that we seek, Lord. And as we warm our hearts to the message that you've prepared for us to hear today, help us to be of an open mind and open heart 
And if it's uh, a time for us to reflect and perhaps come to that closer walk with you, open our, uh, our hearts, Lord. Uh, motivate our feet and get us moving. Uh, let us know that um, we can be uh, calling out your name and you can heal us of anything. You can heal us of um, habits that hold us back. You can heal us of uh, any, any number of uh, weights that wear us down. And Lord, as we worship together this morning, help us to reach out to those around us who uh, are seeking uh, help and perhaps be the vessel for you that can lift that person up. And now as we come to you this morning, Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be found a blessing to you. Amen. Good morning. As you see, we're um, remembering our college students, and like always, um, there's going to be a sheets, little papers in the library that you can stop in and, and drop a note to, <clears throat> to our college students. And while you're in there dropping a note to our college students, you can take your opportunity to browse the bookshelves. We have a lot of wonderful books in there. Check out what's in there. We've had a lot of wonderful books donated for, uh, to be shared with our congregation. So don't hesitate to browse the books while you're in there signing a, a little note to our college students to let them know that we haven't forgotten about them. And this week, um, as all weeks, our services are being recorded and they'll be being sent to Majors Rich and Brenda Harrival, who are in Russia, May, Captain Felix and Major Violet Isaiah, who are in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And so we welcome them to worship with us this morning and to share in our time. It was Jerry and Juanita's 52nd wedding anniversary hey. on Monday. Hey. And he, took, he said he took her out for a coney dog. <laughs> but seriously, we don't want to miss anyone's special occasions. And um, we want to make sure that we remember those. And when we send out our newsletter, we want to make sure that we include our whole church family in in wishes for things like that. So please fill that out. And we're going to have a song of testimony. So in between verses, if you have something to praise God, thank God, you know, what is something that you want to share with your church family. So we're going to sing, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. thank the Lord for 52 years with this wonderful woman. Amen. I want to thank the Lord for the beginning of 52 years of marriage. For Beginning next Sunday, our uh, settled, second son will be getting married. And so we're looking forward to that. And we praise God because 
It's been a trip for him, and uh, we're just rejoicing that he is uh, back in the fold, and he's going to be rejoicing with his uh, new bride next Sunday at 6 o'clock in the evening. My husband and I aren't close to 50 years yet. No, no, no. Not even close to 50 years old, right? (laughs) We'll sing the second verse and be ready with your sharing. if I didn't thank the Lord this morning. Um, As you know, Gordy's been going through chemo treatments, and uh, the Lord has led us to the right doctors. Um, We went down to U of M for a second opinion at the urging of his internist and the oncologist here, and the doctor down in Ann Arbor had some good suggestions, which our oncologist uh, followed, of course, every, any of you who have gone through this know that every time you go to the doctor uh, and every time you have one of these uh, tests, uh, you kind of hold your breath waiting for the results. We had prayed that the results would be better than his first PET scan because his first PET, PET scan <laughs> was not good. And um, praise the Lord, they couldn't find any cancer. Now, this does not mean he is cured, but what it does mean is that the chemo is working. They will keep him on, continue to keep him on the schedule. He's had his third chemo treatment, and uh, so things are looking good as far as the lymphoma is concerned. I want to thank God for a core family that will pray. It seemed like it was going to be rough getting through the second surgery that I didn't know I was going to supposed to have. They... uh, pulled me in and it, it was a little scary, but come to find out I had the flu and it wasn't a leak. So um, I went through the second surgery for nothing. And through all that though, um, Sarah told me you guys were praying and it, that helped a whole lot to calm me. So thank you and thank God for such a good core family. I too thank God for the many rich blessings and his word that I keep in my heart, that he's always with us through all difficult times I just lost burn December 1st to cancer, leukemia, very rare form. And the Lord gave him three years and one month longer than they had expected him to live. And at the time Bernie was diagnosed, he said to me, I don't want to see any long faces or tears. It's in God's hands. Everything will be all right. And it has been all right. I'm at peace because I know my burn is in the Savior's arms. He is free of cancer, and he has everlasting life because he chose to accept the Savior, that he died for him and gave eternal life if we accept him. And my belief is the same. At some time, I will join my husband 
in eternal life. And I am grateful that God saved me when I was a young woman and that we had a loving Christian home and for the many rich blessings that we have had. Amen. Sarah. I have so many things to be thankful for um, in this last year and in this new year. Um, this new year started out wonderfully, but one of the things that I really want to uh, share with you guys is that Leanne's grandpa had been in the hospital um, with really, really bad pneumonia, and he was on a respirator. And they were saying, you know, he may not make it. He is definitely not coming off the respirator anytime soon. And we made a trip up to see him because we didn't know if that was going to be the last chance she would have to see him. And while we were there, Leanne and I prayed over him. And we touched him and talked to him and said, you know, if God gives you the second chance, listen to God's voice. Listen to this, the reason that you are here on this earth. Um, realize who your Savior is. And when we were there, the nurses were telling us and everyone was telling us, oh, you know, he's going to be on this respirator two or three more weeks at least. Um, about two days later, after we had left and prayed for him, he came off the respirator and is doing wonderfully. And we're waiting to hear a little more. But um, I truly believe that God touched him so that Leanne and us and um, we'll be able to witness to him and to his whole family and Leanne's whole family. Um, they are a family that is looking for love and trying to fill that void in their lives. So I'd ask that you continue to pray for her family, um, especially for her grandpa as he's recovering. But this was a miracle. I truly did not believe he would make it. And God touched him and brought him back for a reason. So I want to praise him for that. We're going to sing the third verse, and then you have one less time to share. So we're going to sing the third verse. be remiss if I didn't say that uh, I am thankful. Yesterday I celebrated the half a century mark. Uh, many of you were here when that did happen. And, um, <laughs> and I, I really, you know you're getting old when you start reflecting. And uh, I can't remember giving anybody anxiety growing up. But uh, apparently they must have passed on. <laughs> What I had um, really come to appreciate over the years is that as a core family, in those joyous times, in those times of sorrow, it really is. I don't know what people would do without the support system that a core like this can give. And, and um, certainly we see us come together in those times of sorrow. And uh, again, uh, Flint Citadel has made an impact all across the country. Uh, not all of our people are here, they're missionaries.
in Florida and whoever knows where else. But uh, Flint Citadel has definitely made a, a difference in my life over most of the years I can recall. And we also celebrated 25 years of marriage. And that's been a good thing, too. And they said it would never work out. But <laughs> I'd like to give uh, Sandy and Gordy some uh, support on uh, the problem that Gordy is going through right now. And the reason I say that is that uh, I came down with uh, a bout of cancer around uh, 1997. We're all praying for Gordy and Sandy, and uh, I've known them for years and years. In fact, uh, Sandy and I were in Central High School together for one year, I think. And uh, so, good luck to both of you, and uh, may the Lord bless you. I just have a uh, quick praise report that uh, I made it past this latest round of layoffs this week. I made it past this round of layoffs. Um, I didn't even get moved to second shift either. Um, as many of you know, the auto industry is up and down, and basically the only thing that this does mean for me is that I got two more paychecks coming. So, and just praise to God for you know keeping me for another two weeks in my job. Thank God you recognize that you've you've gotten. Just know that it's in God's hands. I want to thank God for the opportunity that this Salvation Army uniform gives to me as I wander the halls at the nursing home where Maxine's mother is. It's amazing how many people want to stop me, want me to stop and talk with them. I do, do want to re reiterate one happy moment that I had this week. I stopped in to see Winnie and I said to her, Winnie, Michigan State is 11-0. You and I are going to sing the fight song. And she said, you start it and I'll help you. <laughs> and that was a blessing to me. Her eyes sparkled a little bit. But God has given me some opportunities there. And I thank him for this Salvation Army uniform. All right, thank you for your testimonies. Let's sing the last verse. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son of God did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. May God bless the reading of his word.
to follow where the winds of fashion blow. But the Lord demands you play a different part. Why be lost in the confusion? Christ can show you where to go if you let a little sunshine in your heart. Let a little sunshine in your heart. Let a little sunshine in your heart. Feel the love of God shine down upon your smiling face. A little sunshine in your heart. When the task you turn your hands to never quite obtain success, and the dreams you build your hopes on fall apart, there's a way to reach fulfillment when your life is in a mess. A little sunshine in your heart. Let a little sunshine in your heart. Let a little sunshine in your sunshine in your heart. Feel the love of God shine down upon your smiling face. Let a little sunshine in your heart. guys, have you ever been um, getting ready for some outing with your wife and your wife asks you if a a particular outfit makes her look fat or if she looks good in it? How how do you answer that question? This is usually not a good time to try to be funny. Um, I've tried that and I don't recommend that approach. There are some very appropriate answers 
So um, if, if you need any advice, just uh, see me, make an appointment after the service, and I'll, uh, well, my wife says, no, don't bother talking to me. She's probably right. One um, bad way to handle this situation is to refuse to comment or to say nothing. Not a good idea. Did you know that what you don't say can get you in as much trouble as what you do say? Now, this simple machine in this next slide will explain why men and women seem to have trouble communicating. We just, uh, we function very differently. The truth is, sometimes what's not said says a lot. Sometimes, I'll explain the picture to you later, (laughs) sometimes what you don't say says a lot more than what you do say. So today I want to preach on what's not in the Bible, what the Bible does not say. So open your Bibles anywhere you want. It doesn't really matter because it's not in there. No, just kidding. Actually, open your Bible to Luke chapter 2, verses uh, 51 through 52. You know, many famous people write autobiographies or other people write biographies about their lives. These usually contain information about their childhood, their formative years, things that would help us to understand uh, what makes them tick, helps us to appreciate how they became people of importance. It's interesting to note that God never gave us Jesus' complete biography. There's a big gap. The book of Luke ends the account of the birth of Jesus with these words as recorded in the second chapter, starting with the 51st verse. Then Jesus went down to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. The second chapter of Luke closes with Jesus as this little child, and the third chapter opens with Jesus as a 30-something man. Between these two chapters, there is something on the order of 30 years, 30 silent years. Apart from one glimpse of a 12-year-old Jesus left in the temple by his parents, we know almost nothing of these intervening years. Why? What happened during those silent years? It is an amazing but uh, true fact that while Jesus came to be the Savior of the whole world, 30 years went by without note or record in Nazareth. Here's another way to say it. About 90% of Jesus' life was spent in silence in an off-the-beaten-path place called Nazareth. So what exactly was happening during this time, during most of Jesus' life? The shorter answer is, we don't know, because the Bible doesn't tell us. It is silent on these years, even though there are a number of non-biblical books that purport to tell us, they're almost universally rejected as just uh, fictitious accounts, and if you would read them, you would see why. 
There is, I believe, however, some very valuable information that we can draw from these unknown years of Jesus' life. Clearly, Jesus was growing up during this time. He was being raised, we know, in a good and godly family. And as with all human beings, he grew from an infant to a toddler, to a young boy, to a teenager, finally into adulthood as a man. And as Jesus grew, he would have fulfilled the duties of an eldest son. This would have been especially important because it seems that Joseph, Mary's husband, died before all of Jesus' brothers and sisters had grown up. So Jesus, as the eldest son, would have taken up Joseph's responsibility for the family. Using the carpentry skills that Joseph had taught him, he would have supported his mother and his younger brothers and sisters. Imagine for a minute what that must have been like for Jesus. A lost world was calling him, and and as an adult, he must have understood more and more why God had brought him into this world. And yet, first, he had to fulfill his duty to his mother and his family at home. Year after year, day after day, week after week, faithfully, Jesus fulfilled his responsibilities ungrudgingly accepted the duties of caring for his family. But but I want you to know that these were far from idle or wasted years because what Jesus gained in these years was critical to the work that God sent him to do. You know, sometimes we get so anxious to get on with things, don't we? But God knows better. In my own life, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that God um, called me to officership. You know, and I know it's because I wasn't ready before that. Kind of a slow learner. And it took all of that time for God to prepare me. But that part of my life, raising a family, going to work every day, volunteering at the core like you folks do, making house payments, fixing the broken, used cars all the time. That's a critical part of who I am today. And and I believe it's helped me to prepare for what God has me to do today. Likewise, in those silent years, Jesus was learning what it was like to be a working man. He was learning what it was like to earn a living, to save money, to buy food and clothing, and perhaps sometimes to put a little extra aside for a special treat. You ever think of Jesus worrying about his bills? How he's going to take care of um, his brothers and sisters? Not only this, Jesus was a small businessman. He had to deal with dissatisfied and critical customers who complained about his work and the customer who wouldn't pay his bill. He had to deal with all of that. If Jesus was going to fulfill God's call on his life and help us, he first had to know what our lives are like. He didn't come into some protected, cushioned life. Rather, he lived a very real life, like an average person might live. This experience allowed Jesus to understand the life of ordinary people like you and me. 
I mean, we see him, the babe in the manger with a little glow around his head and all these pictures that make him look so spiritual, and he was, but he lived a real, common life, 30 years. I think we do a disservice to this portion of Jesus' life by calling it the missing years. They weren't missing at all. They, were some, um, they weren't some unfortunate but unavoidable consequence of being a human being. It wasn't just something he had to endure in order to accomplish his real work. Far from it. Indeed, they were the formative years that actually prepared and equipped him, and they point to a powerful truth that can transform the way we approach our own life and our own ministry. The book of Hebrews gives us a glimpse of how important these years were. If it weren't, in fact, for these formative years, the author of Hebrews could never have written what is recorded in Hebrews 4.15. Here's what it says. This high priest, speaking of Jesus, understand, of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same temptations we do. Yet, he did not sin. Because Jesus lived a real life, a life similar to the lives of other people of his day, we have a Savior who understands what it is to live the life of a human being in a very personal, experiential way. This truth is one of the things that sets Christianity apart from other faiths. We have a Savior who is just like us, but sinless. Jesus knows what it is to live the common life of a working man. He has experienced it. He knows all about human weakness because he shares our flesh and blood. But Hebrews has even more to say on the importance of these missing years. Hebrews 2, 17 through 18 in the New Living Translation takes on new meaning as we consider these 30 years of Jesus' life. It says there, Therefore it was necessary for Jesus to be in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. He could then offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and temptation, he is able to help us when we are being tempted. Wow, do you hear what that's saying? Do you see the connection between the years Jesus spent living the common, boring life of, of an everyday person and the very purpose for which he came? There's a connection there. Those 30 years of life actually qualified him. They qualified him to be our Savior. That's what it says in there. It made it possible for him to approach us with compassion and with mercy rather than with wrath and with judgment. It made it possible for Jesus to help us when we face temptation. Yeah, we may not know much about these years of Jesus' life, but that doesn't mean they weren't important. In fact, I thank God I thank God for those years because each of us reap great benefit from them. Here's a great truth. 
God often does His greatest work in our lives and in this world below the radar screen, in the common things of life. It is in these that we are prepared and qualified to be mightily used of God. Truly, the battle is won in the preparation. So don't panic if your life seems boring or common. Anyone here have a boring and common life? <laughs> yeah. Well, just be faithful. Be faithful in the small things. Be a person of character and integrity. Do what you do well. Be faithful. Look at Jesus. He was faithful in performing the lesser tasks of life for 30 years before the greater task was given to him. The great fact is that if Jesus had failed in these smaller duties of life, that mighty task of being the Savior of the world would never have been given to him to do. He was faithful in little that he might become master of much. Never forget that the everyday duties of life in those we mar or make our destiny. We win or lose the battle. It's not in those big pivotal decisions because those are a reflection of the little decisions we've made up till then. There is great purpose in the common things of life and it's just as true today as it was back in Jesus' day. It's true for you and it's true for me. The real message here is to take the simple things of life seriously and see God's hand in everything, in, in the everyday things of life. So that's what I invite you to do this morning. Take a fresh perspective on life and look at your commonplace life with new eyes. See God working in the everyday challenges you face the everyday tasks that you have to do. Things like taking out the trash, serving as an usher here at the core, a girl guard leader, a, a sunbeam leader, buying groceries, doing housework or schoolwork, working at your job. All of these are formative. In fact, I invite you to embrace the moment, realizing that it is rich in opportunity and in significance. Even the most mundane and trivial things of life have an importance. Perhaps as you look back on your life, um, yeah, you're doing a lot of reflecting these days, Scott. Maybe as you look back on your life, he's getting older. Um, maybe as you look back on your life, you begin to see how seemingly trivial decisions have made a major impact on who you are today. When you made those decisions, you had no idea how important that was going to be. Maybe you, you went to this restaurant and met your spouse there. Well, that decision didn't seem important. But it's amazing how, uh, as we see life from a different perspective, we see these things falling into place. So be faithful in the small things because how we handle the small things determines how we will handle the big things. Jesus said in Luke 16, verse 10, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing 
is unrighteous also in much. So be faithful in the small things of life. Jesus was faithful in the small things of life for some 30 years. I'm sure no one gave him much praise for this. For the most part, it went by unnoticed, and maybe that's why it's not in our Bible. But it was in the small things that Jesus fit himself to be our Savior. And that's the secret. Living every day, every moment to the fullest, realizing that there is no such thing as an unimportant task or, or a responsibility that is trivial. Instead, living in the reality that it is in the small things that we qualify ourselves for greater things. So this morning I ask you to um, examine how you handle the supposed unimportant things of your life, the things for which no one gives you much attention, much praise. And I just ask you this morning to surrender those to Jesus. To see them as a part of God's plan for you. Those small things, those little things. For your holiness. That's where Jesus is going to make you holy. Give everything to Jesus. From the smallest matters to the greatest matters. And make every day and every day living a part of God's plan to make you a holy man a holy woman. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for, I guess, not sharing all the information of Jesus' uh, upbringing and young adulthood. I thank you, Lord, instead that you allowed him to experience all of the kind of frustrations and challenges and uh, dynamics of living life. Thank you, Lord, that in that, he built a credibility with his um, community. He equipped himself to, um, to understand us. And, and Lord, I thank you that we reap that benefit now as he intercedes for us on our behalf. Lord, if it weren't for that, uh, who would we go to? How would we approach you? Lord, I just give you praise for your wisdom. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to see that uh, we're no different, that it is in these small things, these trivial matters, that um, you do great work and that we lay the foundation for a life of holiness and service to you, to the community, um, to this family called the Flint Citadel. Lord, if in any way perhaps we have failed to surrender these things or we thought them too unimportant, unspiritual to, uh, to bother with. I pray that we would rethink that today and that we would bring them all to you and surrender them to you, that every moment might be holy, might be taken captive for Christ. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Grizzly Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.